Hi, I'm Ben and welcome to Beyond the Document, the podcast exploring the latest developments and opportunities within output management, document management and customer communication management. Each episode, I'll be joined by a guest within the industry to help share their insights and opinions on what's happening in the field and beyond. So this month, we're leaving output management alone and focusing on the other challenge most organizations have, and that is input management and handling inbound documentation. So I'm delighted to welcome a man to the podcast who has vast experience of helping organizations meet this topic head on and turn those challenges into opportunities. We have Jesper Kaylet, who is the founder and CVO of both Couragens and LaserNet Distribution, joining us on the podcast. Welcome, Jesper. Thank you. And Jesper, I know you're a Dane who lives in the US, but you spend a lot of your time between both North America and Europe. Where, where do we find you today? Uh, today, I'm actually in uh, Barcelona, Spain. Um, we have just hired a, a bunch of more people down here and we're ramping up, uh, amongst other things, of course, the D365 finance and operations side or finance supply chain management. Sorry, Microsoft. Um, new month, new marketing term from, from their side. Uh, and of course, uh, the LaserNet side as well. Brilliant. Great. Well, welcome. And we're looking forward to talking about all things input management with you today. So I, I think that most people who listen to our podcast have knowledge and experience in output management solutions and projects. And yet input management often gets overlooked and, and that leaves them with more laborious manual processes in place. Across the various projects that you've been involved with over your time, what has normally triggered the need for action by the client? Uh, the need has been triggered uh, with a, it comes from a desire to actually optimize processes in order to reduce cost. And especially in, in Europe, um, there is much more of a focus on actually uh, trying to automate things uh, in order to uh, strip down extraneous cost and overhead. In the US, we see a bit more of the old uh, Snickernet version of things, right? We just have to run faster to uh, make more money. But in, in Europe, and we saw this, especially during the pandemic, uh, there's much more of a focus on, well, what are we going to do to be more, become more profitable? Well, we have to eliminate errors, uh, mistakes, uh, flaws in the process. Sure. So I, I guess the way that you're talking then, having the longer term view means that the input from the, the client organizations need to be quite varied and high level. So, so you need to have the buy-in from senior decision makers, but also they need the input from the people at the cold face of the process. Absolutely. Um, and I could, I could mention so many different examples, right? I mean, from logistics industries that have literally um, tons of documents floating through their systems every year. Uh, for example, if you ship something from Munich to San Francisco, there's more than 100 vendors and suppliers involved in that process. If you can imagine the paperwork that's involved there, if you can automate that with uh, input management and OCR recognition, you can vastly reduce the overhead cost in an industry that is uh, slimming down to probably 3% profit margins in some cases. Sure, yeah. And, and, and I guess... That's a senior management uh, that, you know, eye-opener right there. Isn't it? Yeah, that, that's one that gets thrown up on the whiteboard immediately. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the one thing that I think we, we, the people in software often overlook, that we, we're great at designing brilliant solutions. But ultimately, if those cold, hard numbers don't stack up 
a project doesn't get the go-ahead. And from your experience within input management projects, that's that's what you're talking about here, I guess. It's the it's the looking at the the cost of errors and the time spent versus the reward that they get for for adopting this software. Exactly, and in the sales process, and I know that uh, we really don't want to get too uh, far down the rabbit hole on the sales cycles and all that stuff, but. If you're trying to sell somebody on a technical level, you get to the technical decision makers and they may have a, a budget that they can approve within five, 6,000 euros or whatever, or pounds, dollars, whatever the number is, right? But roughly that range. If you really want to get the, uh, the large projects and the really big gains and savings out of a project, you need to talk business terms. And the only way you can uh, talk to somebody uh, in the C-level is by forgetting all about technical issues and start talking about how can we better your company in the future. Yeah, uh, I get that. You know, if, if we can understand that, that reason ourselves, then it's one that you can communicate to other people. And, and you touched upon the logistics industry, which is obviously one that generates high volume of documents. I, I guess the more high volume we go, the stronger the argument. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's, it's there's a there's a certain threshold, right? Uh, if you receive, let's say, you receive uh, ten purchase orders uh, into your sales department every month, uh, if you are low volume high value, like let's say that you sell industrial size uh, freezers and you only, you know, that's like a million a piece and you only sell a few of those a month. Input management is probably not going to be where you're going to be most effective in getting uh, the processes automated. But if you are a company uh, like, for example, let's mention somebody that everybody, at least in the US, knows certain plumbing products and in the, U in the UK and the, in Europe uh, in general, CERN may not mean a whole lot uh, to people, but they are the uh, uh, infamous owners of the jacuzzi uh, brand family of uh, spas and, <laughs> and hot tubs, right? Uh, but they also are the ones that uh, do all the automatic flushing of toilets in airports and supermarkets and restaurants and whatever you uh, get into. They sell literally millions of units each month. And if you can imagine the vast amount of purchase orders coming in there, right? And some of those are from plumbers and contractors that don't necessarily have their business set up for EDI purposes. And in the old days, they were basically tossing a purchase orders into a fax and they would have CERN on speed dial. And nowadays, they basically take a PDF document and email to the purchasing department that then laboriously re-enters this into the Dynamics 365 system uh, in that case. If you have a thousand of those every month and you want to eliminate errors in the process and, uh, and you want to be effective in not sending out the wrong product to the customer with the wrong price and everything, you need to automate that in order to, uh, to gain, uh, uh, you know, get those gains and efficiencies. Yeah, completely, I get it. I, I, I think in, in Europe, most of us know the Kohler family due to the recent Ryder mm -hmm. Cup, and they're, they're from a plumbing uh, dynasty as well, the people who own the Whistling Straight Golf Course. But that, that's a bit of education for us there on the US plumbing market. <laughs> yeah. And I think what, what you were saying as well leads us on to looking at how input management solutions have developed over recent years and now adopting more of a dictionary term being applied to the document-wide search rather than the old school approach of XY coordinates being used for templates and, and maybe mm -hmm. one content type reorganization needing a template each. So again, when we're looking at elimination of risk and efficiency being delivered, I guess that's driven the, the solution on even further. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, in the old days, and quite frankly, the old days was probably just a few years ago, right? I mean, things move so uh, so fast right now uh, that it, it's crazy. It would be a matter of training an OCR engine to properly recognize the documents that would come through uh, in the same way every time. Uh, as, uh, as some know, um, the products uh, from App for example, that also used to be used in the foam pipe laser product. That was a traditional OCR recognition engine. And you would have to train it and tell it, yeah, no, 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 this is actually, this is actually the number two um, rather than the, the letter set, for example. And you would train it to recognize the documents properly that way. Now that we have uh, products like um, uh, cognitive uh, services, Tesseract, et cetera, all those AI machine learning products, you can actually have the product almost trained itself to become more efficient at this. And now you build up the dictionary in an automated fashion instead, which makes it much more efficient. And you don't have to have a ton of people sitting there and correcting it every time. It's wonderful actually that way. Yeah, and I think when we look at that with organizations who have multitudes of different suppliers, for example, it's such a more efficient way of working than the, the old fashioned. And I agree with you, by old fashioned, we mean like only five or 10 years ago, but that's software, yeah? That's the industry that we're in. Oh yeah, I mean it's uh, I you know I come from the world of uh, green screens and Unix and all that stuff and uh, well luckily this is a podcast so people can't see my gray hair but uh, you know been there done that yeah that technologies do ages don't they <laughs> mm -hmm. yes <laughs> brilliant great and very much how the how we named this podcast okay we named this podcast beyond the document and i think in this scenario the document is only the tip of the iceberg because the beauty i see with input management is once you've captured that data from the inbound documentation you can then use that data set in many different ways again pulling from your experience how best have you seen that used within an organization well the uh the, the clear examples are actually to uh, to take a document such as a, a purchase order or a supplier invoice and you just enter that into the system and and there you go right and that that's sort of the simple uh, measure of things but if you think a little bit further you can actually have employees uh, submit expense receipts and they come out and um, and they get uh, recognized and entered into the system automatically. Or even better, let's say that somebody wants to purchase something uh, for you and you're, uh, you're a company that custom builds things. Maybe you can get the engine to recognize the dimensions of a metal ring or tube or whatever and have it automatically uh, go in there and maybe even trigger uh, a configuration or an engineering order on the back end that just has to be approved by the engineering department says, yeah, we can do that or no, we're going to have to get back to the customer and tell them that uh, we're not capable of doing that. We have to adjust it a little bit, but that kind of automation can actually help with expanding your product portfolio without, um, you know, without really having any human intervention at all or not much. And, and, you know, even if we just work on the old traditional 80, 20 rule, if we can pick up 8% of the traffic in that way, and then just concentrate on the 20% that falls out of the, the usual process, that's a pretty good achievement. Exactly, uh, or even better, if you can train your system to become better and better and better at automating these processes, getting these customized products out, maybe that 80-20 all of a sudden turns into a 95-5. Yeah, yeah, and rewrites all the business books, yeah? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Superb, thank you. Uh, that's that's a really good takeaway. Um, well, we're, we're coming to the end of the podcast, uh, and I am aware, again, without aging you there, yes, but you have got vast experience in this. If you were dealing with an organization just looking at input management for the first time, what would be your key one or two pieces of advice that you give to them? I would look at, um, I would tell them, uh, start out simple, uh, get the product in there with some quick gains, some low hanging fruits, if you will. Uh, we have a customer right now that uh, is looking at input management, but they're sort of um, spooked a little bit, if you will, of the processes all of a sudden taking all those invoices and the manual processes. And as you can uh, imagine, probably also a bunch of accounts payable uh, people that are now spooked about, well, how can this machine do it any better than I can? And will I lose my job, uh, et cetera? So we tell them that, yeah, okay, this is what you want to look at long-term, but in order to gain the adoption in the company, do you have an area that you may have not have as much volume right now, but at least you can use it as a proof of concept that, uh, that this is good for the company, good for the profitability, and that people can get comfortable knowing that it's not to get rid of you, it's to help you with those processes that you're doing. Because I believe in automation in the, in the way that Automation should not replace people. Automation should allow people to move on from their jobs and do more exciting things. Yeah, I, I think you've got a really valid point. And it also goes back to one of the points you made right at the start of the conversation where we were talking about the communication within the client uh, organization as well, where we're making sure that they understand uh, why we're doing this and we've got top level buy-in. So you're quite right. We're not, <laughs> the, the technology is not there to replace the people. It's there to allow them to add more value to what they're doing. Right. Superb. Well, Jesper, I thank you ever so much for your time. Uh, I think your knowledge on this area is great. And uh, you did allude to the fact that you may be able to have a beer in the sunshine in Spain. So I hope <laughs> at the end of this, you're able to go and do that. Yeah, give me about uh, three minutes to uh, make it down to that rooftop bar. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining us today and uh, enjoy that beer. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Document podcast and thanks again to Jesper for joining me today. You can learn more about Curagens at curagens.com. That's C-U-R-O-G-E-N-S.com and LaysNet Distribution at laysnet-distribution.com. As always, you can catch ourselves on LinkedIn by searching Formpipe or on Twitter with the handle at Formpipe. If you found this podcast to be useful or you learned something new, then please do give us a rating or review on your go-to podcast platform of choice. I'm Ben Saxton. Catch you next time on Beyond the Documents.